Welcome to the Sonic Shaman Show, home of the Coffee Connect and Conscious Connections. The show is dedicated to empowering you to perceive, know, be, and express your unique voice in this world without the fear of judgment of others through healing, coaching, and educational services. In each episode, Hank and his guests offer tools, techniques, and inspiration to help you step into your potency. Now, here is your host, Hank Settela. Welcome, everyone. I have such a special guest with me. Akashic Records, I think, is such a hot topic in the metaphysical community because it's something that is so useful for people to get guidance and healing and all types of things. So I have here with me Joe, and I'm cheating because I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> so I didn't want to do it wrong. Figueres. Figueres. Yes. So I have Joe Figueres on with me, and she is an Akashic Soul Blueprint Practitioner. And that especially caught my attention because in my tradition of the Pakokuna tradition of Peru, we have this idea that the Pacarina and the Ituapu, the, the spirits of the place of your birth, hold the blueprint for the perfected you. And it's like them giving us our blueprint pack that helps us reascend. And I wonder if there's some similarities into how you work with the Akashic Records to how we work with that in our tradition a little bit. Well, could you give us like your, uh, how did you get, everybody has their story about how they discovered their gifts and started to step into actually being a service. What were your stepping stones to getting to the place where you now help people do this healing work and find their unique voice? Oh my goodness. It was, um, it was something that I was born to do. Obviously most people are born to do this work. Um, I've been intuitive my whole life, but I always had this interest in the Akashic records. And so um, when I was given the opportunity to learn them, um, everything just sort of fell into place. Now, most people consider them to be like a library and they help people access past lives. But for me specifically, it was that soul blueprint, right? What caught, what is our, our soul purpose? And so that's sort of what, where I started. Now, when you start to work with people, is there a particular thing? Well, I guess you're intuitive. So you just kind of go for it. Do you also teach people how to not like you might give them information, but how to stay in touch with that blueprint to be like a guiding compass with everything that they're choosing? Yes. Um, that's sort of the whole foundation. So um, really what I help people do is sort of discover their soul blueprint and then what causes them to be out of alignment with that. And out of alignment is where you feel stuck and you feel blocked and you feel you know like you don't have any direction. And I do that by teaching them how to develop and tap into their intuitive abilities so that they themselves can get those messages and they can follow their intuitive hits and their creative inspiration because that's what keeps us aligned with our soul blueprint. So it's a whole process. You know, what I find is oftentimes a case where people start to step into their own intuitive gifts and their ability to connect like that is sometimes we don't want to know what we know, especially when it comes to friends and family. Sometimes like that awareness can be very uncomfortable, like when my aunt was sick and I had the awareness of the sickness. Do you have any advice for people as they start to step into that? It's like one thing to know stuff for your own purpose, but how do you like this, you know, filter out the things that you're or not filter out because all that is good stuff to be aware of. But how do you balance like the things that you know and how do you work with things that you might rather not know? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You know, intuitive development is such a self-directed um, process when you know how to do it, right? When you take a little bit of, of direction from 
um, somebody that can show you how to focus that. So, you know, typically the number one concern that people have when they want to develop their intuitive abilities are, what am I opening myself up to? You know, they're fearful. And so, you know, I start with uh, everything is science-based. I start with, you know, the basics of energy, the basics of our etheric field, our auric field, how we communicate energetically as energetic beings. So, at the very beginning, I take the woo out of it and I just talk about the science of it. And that really helps people get more comfortable. Then gradually we bring in that woo. I, I love that you call it woo because I, I've had people say, you know, I'm too woo woo for them. <laughs> and, that, that, and that inspired me to create one of my classes as the science behind the sound. So I took the woo out of the sound part and just spoke to the science and then started talking about the metaphysics of it and things like that. And it was a great stepping stone, especially yes. for the husband or sometimes the wife that gets drunk for an appointment like this. Whoa. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's great. And it's also really good for getting that spouse on board, right? Because so many of my clients are, you know, housed wives and they want to, you know, here, hubby, take this crystal. It will help you in this presentation. And, you know, it just helps, I guess, sort of make it a little bit more um, appetizing for some people. So yeah. now just taking a step back, because we kind of jumped right into like soul blueprints and everything, but some people might not even know what Akashic records are. Could we take a step back and just kind of give an overview? And also when it comes to Akashic records, are you familiar with other traditions where Akashic records might be called something different? Because I found that uh, there's a lot of parallels between things. And I'm just curious if you have found that Akashic records goes by other names and other traditions or modalities. You know, I have actually the Book of Life, um, the Book of the Dead. There are some of those and I haven't gone too deep into it, um, but that is something I, I'm a Life Path 7 seeker. And so that's something that I'll absolutely be getting into. Um, and that was numerology that I referenced. But yep. Yeah, the Akasha, um, it's also known as the Akashic Records, obviously, but I call it the Akasha. Um, and as I began to work within it, I realized that it was an energy that I sort of drop into. Um, and once that happens, then the strength of the messages just increase. And then my intuitive abilities kick in. And like I said, I use numerology, but then also my psychic and mediumistic and channeling abilities. So a lot of people refer to the Akasha as like a library or um, they'll see it as um, like a database, right, of, of every single thought, word, emotion, action that's taken place in the universe of every single being, sentient being, all of that. So it really is different for different people. Some people it's a concept, other people's is people it's an actual tangible thing. Yeah, and in the tradition that I practice, we would call it like a field of awareness yes. or a field of energy. And through like breath work and through plant ceremonies and through different avenues, people change their, they, they alter their state, their state of consciousness, and then they can more easily access those things. But the idea is like pick something to yeah. start training yourself to access it when you don't need it so that when you really do need it, like you can drop into that more, way more quickly. Cause sometimes you need Absolutely. that in the moment where you have the trauma and drama going on. Yes. And, and do, do you have any tips for that? Like as people start to really learn this stuff, uh, how do they, if they just get blindsided by somebody at work, who's a real a-hole or something like that, <laughs> like what, what can they use to start to step back into that responding area instead of reacting area and, and feel, tap into that knowing where they have an intuitive, an intuitive nature of how to deal with people like that. So one of the very first things that I teach um, with during my, the, pardon my link, pardon me, during my intuitive development course is energy management, right? How do, how does an energetic being or typically empath, um, how do you manage 
that energy because within your energy field, that's where your emotions are, your triggers are, your actions, your reactions, all of that. So it really, I teach people how to sort of claim sovereignty over their energetic field, right? Deep breathing, bringing in the light. It's not a shield. It is Mm -hmm. standing in your power, claiming your space and claiming your power. And that really helps people um, you know, keep out those ener- that energy that's a little bit more overpowering or triggering um, and helps people stand in their power. I love that you said it's not a shield because one of the things that one, one of my colleagues, uh, his name is Ryan Dean, he has a whole course called Empathic Empowerment Training. And he teaches you absolutely don't shield because what you resist persists. And if you try to hold all this stuff out, eventually you're giving energy flows where attention goes and you're actually feeding the thing that you're trying to keep away. And eventually it breaks down the wall and then you end up having like a, a breakdown. So instead, you you learn to be like the hollow bone and like it's just the energy that you let flow through and it's not necessarily impacting you then yes and and another corny rhyme if you name it you claim it so if you you judge what you're aware of then it's like you you really own it now a couple of people just tuning in angela has been waiting for this topic so thank you so much for uh, joining us she wanted to learn more about this if you have specific questions angela or anybody else watching please uh let us know now mary davis i do believe she is also an akashic records uh practitioner if i remember right and she was just she was just curious like we we already started diving into this we must have been psychic that this was going to be a question (laughs) Uh, but so we already talked a little bit about the Akasha and how it's a field, but how do you specifically, how does it work for you when you start to tap into that energy? Specifically, it is an energy that comes over or that I drop into. It's like, I feel this warm sort of um, blanket just kind of come over me. And then it's um, amplified based on the spoken words and the emotions of the person that I'm reading. So the more that they speak about their emotions or how they're feeling or describe something, then the stronger that energy is. And then I perceive it. That's when my intuitive abilities kick in clairvoyance, um, clairaudience, clairsentience, um, all of those. And so um, that then it becomes just a back and forth conversation. Yep. And then a, a follow-up question that she had posted, what does a soul blueprint look like and what does it sound like? What does it feel like just to add uh, the other one? And like, what is, ex- is that exactly? And are we wrong if we're not following it? You know, like that, that's the other question. Like so many people might feel like, well, if I'm 40 years old or however old we are, and now I'm just now getting into my blueprint, is it too late for me to start? Like questions no. like that, I think are yeah. really important to answer. It's never too late to um, align with your soul blueprint. So for me, I see it psychically as this beautiful blue tapestry with like silver threads. So it looks for all intensive purposes like a um, like a, a, a blueprint or um, a constellation in the sky. Um But what it feels like, well, I said that it's sort of right, like I sort of drop into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never too late to um, align with it. It's it, that that is like our personal GPS that we wrote during the life between life stage. So our higher self, our oversoul, knows everything within that. And then, because we have the ability to bring in free will, all of those choices that we make will all take us down different paths, but all roads lead to ascension. So regardless of which way we go, what choice we make, and where we end up in our life we're still working towards ascension. And the interesting thing with astrology, just to throw in um, when I said, you know, when is it too late? In astrology, they teach that 
if you go completely on the un, the unconscious autopilot of the universe, the first 28 years is you being programmed. The yeah. next 28 years with your Saturn return is you unprogramming yourself. And the next 28 years is you actually stepping into who you came to be in this world. That's like yes. 56 years down the road. Now, that being said, the more conscious you are, the less astrology matters, but it never doesn't matter. So like right. Pinocchio, once you become aware, you don't have to go with those flows and autopilot. You can fast track your 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 implementation of the blueprint. Yes. You know, and that tracks with numerology, which is numerology is the modality that I use to um, get the foundation of someone's blueprint. So I think of numerology as the bones of the soul blueprint. And then, you know, all of our choices and decisions and circumstances are sort of the skin and the, and the, the flesh and, um, you know, just to sort of liken it to anatomy. No. I'm just putting up here for the people that are here listening on the podcast. If you do want to reach out to Joe and connect with her, her website, it's if I'm reading it right, is the Wook Akashic.com, which is the W O K E A K A S H I C.com. If yes. you want to check that out, and it will be in the description of the video as well. So, one yes. question too when we start thinking about Akashic Records and tapping into our own intuition, is there any ethical things where, well, what if I become aware of something in somebody else's library, if, if you will? Uh, like, is there, like, how do you use awareness maybe of something going on in someone else's world in an ethical way to make choices that create possibility and not just like to manipulate people? Ethics are huge, um, especially with the Akasha, because you have access to so much. You have access to everything. But for me personally, because I help people align with their soul blueprints and my primary focus is where they are in this incarnation, I just don't receive um, any negative information. It's all of the light. It's all from spirit guides, guardians, and angels. Um, I recently had a, a client who um, has a terminal illness. And so she knows that her time is coming. And so her guides stepped in to tell her, well, this is why, and this is what you can expect on the other side. So the messages are beautiful and uplifting in that manner, but they also help us to stay, to get into alignment, to live the best possible aligned life here now, because we have we have work to do. We have that soul blueprint to sort of bring to fruition. Yeah. And uh, Mary Davis was just saying that she, she sees the events of the soul's journey when she's in the records and that's how she sees it. And I also remember she did a reading for my colleague, Ryan, who I mentioned earlier, and she saw all this information from past lives, but it yeah. made, it made a relationship that was going on in the current lifetime that much more relevant and why the connection was so, uh, so amazing. Do you find that past lives really come through and how, you know, yes. it's, in parts of me, I, I, for me, like when I do past life type of things, it's usually when a person has a resistance to hearing what's going on now. Uh, but I find that it's like a great way to connect dots and see parallels and themes that keep showing up. Is there something specific you use with the past lives to kind of incorporate into the soul blueprint where you're going in the future? Yes, absolutely. At the beginning of the session, um, after I pull their numerology chart, then I'll go into channel. And typically, it'll either be a message from spirit or it will be a past life. And that past life will direct, it'll be the source of the challenge that they're experiencing or the question that they have. So they'll either show me a series of past lives or one specifically, and then I'll reveal to them that past life. And nine times out of 10, they're like, wow, that's exactly what I'm dealing with now. So I don't reveal the past life until, um, or I don't ask them what, what they're here for until after I reveal the past life. Very interesting. So you kind of yeah. go about it in a sneaky way. I do. <laughs> right. 
I'm just reading Mary's comment. Um, natural adepts perceive in their own unique ways, and the guides seem to step in to prevent misuse and abuse of the power of information. Oh, so I see she's saying like um, for people not to be, have those ethical things come up, like guides or intermediaries will um, make sure that you're not getting things where you're going to thwart somebody else's will, yeah. if I'm understanding Mary's comment. Yes. I, I never thought about that. That's, a, yeah. that's a, a good way. So you can't, you don't have to worry about getting information that's going to be abused necessarily. I don't. And, you know, all of the messages that I get are help, they help empower people and help people grow. And, you know, and honestly, again, there's an ethics thing. And I'm I really, really take um, there's a lot of integrity in my readings because um, I want people to have all of the information that they need to be able to move forward. So now, have you ever had somebody when you give them the reading, they're in a huge space of resistance, like what they what came yes. through is not what they wanted to know. And ah. if you know, if you know, that's their soul blueprint, how do you give them an invitation and hold the space for them to maybe step into that space where they can start to fulfill their blueprint or step into that? Or yeah. can you just totally change the blueprint? Can you be like, I don't like that. Let's rewrite it. Well, typically for me, the resistance is more um, that what I'm telling them, they say, that doesn't sound like me. That's not me. That's not, you know, and so once I get that energy of resistance from somebody, they're not going to be open to anything that comes from the blueprint or their spirit guides, guardians, angels, loved ones that have passed over. They're just not going to be open to anything. So, you know, I try to make it as simple as possible by asking them, what is it that you're hoping to get out of this? Um, you know, if it comes to a point where we are just not a good match or whatever, um, you know, then I'll have a discussion about it. We'll talk about it and I'll try to refer them out to somebody that can better help them. So, yeah. But if you're like me, that probably doesn't happen very often because you tend to doesn't. attract people who are yes. really ready to heal. And then yeah. It but, does. But, you know, you know what happens, though, just to share one story. I was doing a reading at a store called the Goddess Elite, which is local to my area. And I did the reading for one person and the next person sat down and immediately I just felt like, yeah, this is a whole different energy. And I said, you don't really want to be here, do you? They're like, nope. They right. joined here, didn't they? She's like, yep. I'm like, we don't have to do this. They're like, great. And that was the end of the reading. And and as, and as she was leaving the store, she turns around. She's like, you know, if and when I am ready for a reading, you're the one I'm going to come to. So even when you set that, that, that when you, when things like that happen, if you can hold an integrity, that could be the turning point when they are ready because you held the space to not judge them for not wanting it. Absolutely. That's why it's so important for me to have a conversation with them instead of, you know, being like upset or mean or whatever, you know, just have a conversation about why I don't feel you're ready because you have to still hold space for that person. Even if you can't open or help them open to the messages, you still have to hold space for them. And so you do it with kindness and integrity. Now, I'm curious, because you, you put, put down about numerology, you mentioned it a couple of times, yeah. like, how, how do you incorporate or do you, are they two separate things for you? Do you start to incorporate that? Because I know I had a numerology reading done once where it was just based on my name and it blew me out of the water. Yeah. It took me three years to listen to spirit. They kept saying, you need to go get a reading from Patty. You need to go get a reading from Patty. And then I finally did it. And then I was just like, why did I wait so long? It was like spot yeah. on. Uh, so how do you combine the two? Oh, numerology blew me out of the water the first time that I had. So like I said, numerology, I can think of it like the bones of the soul blueprint. So I'll pull their core chart. Um, there's five numbers in their core chart, life path expression, soul dis soul urge, personality, and birthday number. And then all of those numbers, when I read them, I read the number, not the person. And every single time the person is like, you just nailed me. And <laughs> it, you know, it was, it was, I was reading the numbers, not them, but those numbers are amazing. And so, um, like I said, I look at those, like the bones of the blueprint. 
Yeah, and just say another comment that you hope that it's okay that you're you're absolutely fine to be here. If you have any questions, uh, invite everyone. If you have a question about numerology, about the Akashic Records, about anything, like I like to follow the energy of the group. If there's a question that is stirring in you from what we've talked about so far, go ahead and make a comment. We can go down almost any rabbit hole that people like to go down. I hope you're okay with that too. <laughs> yes. But sometimes people are all just quiet. They want to eat, you know, or, or do whatever they're doing at home. But we, in, we definitely yeah. welcome questions. And so you, so that was the numerology part. And as you're doing that, does the Akashic records kind of come in or you keep those two parts separate? No, it's all, they're all connected. They work beautifully together. I also incorporate astrology, the sun signs, new moons, moon signs and rising signs. So all of the different modalities work together um, really beautifully. The Akasha is the energy that sort of, like I said, just sort of drops in. Um, and that's, it, it just sort of, it amplifies my intuitive abilities, my psychic abilities, mediumistic and channeling abilities. Um, it, I just heard an interesting question to ask you. So, so you have the soul blueprint here, and this is like the perfected soul. Now, what if karma from a past life has promises, commitments, agreements that were made, but aren't necessarily part of the blueprint? Because I, I feel like that might be some of the resistance people have moving in. Uh, do you do anything to get rid of things that are that maybe were agreed to in a past life that are no longer serving like the end goal of the soul? Oh, look at that corny rhyme. I love that. End goal of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things I always look for are vows, right? Because in order for somebody to align with their soul blueprint, they have to first see what challenges are keeping them out of alignment. And so one of the things that we'll look at is what vows have you made? What past life vows? What, you know, proclamations, that sort of thing. And so uh, the, honestly, if one of my Akashic readings um, or the way that I do Akashic readings, we look at like the full spectrum of what in the world could potentially be keeping you out of alignment in anything past life is a hundred percent game. Yeah. And that's also um, sometimes it could be energies that we don't even have a conscious memory of. And right. like, like with the Western mind, we want to know what we're throwing away, but it's also like just the ability to identify the energy. And sometimes what I tell a client is we're just going to tell a story around it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. We just yeah. need to give it a framework so we can throw it out and you'll be willing to let it, uh, be willing to let it go. Um, Angela was asking a question. Uh, how, how does one get to the space of getting to the Akashic records area? So we're thinking maybe like brainwave frequencies like theta or altering your states like what tools do people get to so they can access the field of energy i know it comes easy for you but you've been doing yes. this over 20 years if i remember your bio correctly i've been intuitive for 20 years i've been doing the akasha for maybe only two or three yeah so for somebody's just starting <laughs> off like just saying hey i want to go to akashic record boot camp where do they start to enter into that space there it's a prayer um i channeled my own prayer um but there is a common prayer out there called the pathway prayer that they can google um and it's free it's all over the interwebs um but it is a prayer so it's it's an intention and you know prepping somebody i do have an intro to akashic records class and we go through the history of it but really you have to be able to take yourself down into the alpha state and to, to you know reasonably um solid alpha state um and then you know, at that point, you just have to practice, 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 and you'll start to feel that energy get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then more information will come in, depending on if you're looking for if you're opening your own record or you're opening the record of another. I recommend yep. a certified class. Yep. And I just posted a link to, uh, to a PDF that I found on Linda Howe's site that had yes. uh, the, the pathway prayer. And I don't know, are we allowed to read it? 
yeah, if I have it here. So here's the prayer for everybody. And then I would, I'll share one that I have from Fellowships of the Spirit, which is from uh, Lily Doe, which I use for all reading work uh, too. But the opening prayer, uh, actually, you know what? Let me share it on the screen. So people who can see it, uh, you guys are going to be able to read along. And if you're uh, listening to this on the podcast afterwards, then you can uh, catch it. Uh, I'll have a link to the PDF in the description. So let me share it here. Okay, I had too many tabs open. I got confused which one it was right. Share screen. Pathway prayer, here we go. And now I gotta actually add it to the stream. So here we go, everyone. So here is the pathway prayer. And so we do acknowledge the forces of light, asking for guidance, direction, and courage to know the truth, as it is revealed to our highest good and the highest good of everyone connected to us. O Holy Spirit of God, protect me from all forms of self-centeredness and direct my attention to the work at hand. Help me to know myself, then your first name of individual being and the first myself and first name of the individual being read in the light of the Akashic records to see myself and first name of the individual being read through the eyes of the lords of the records well, that gives me a question now and mm -hmm. enables me to share the wisdom and compassion that the masters teachers and loved ones of me first name and individual being read have for me him or her the mm -hmm. records are now open so i uh, when i saw lords mentioned there what are the yeah. lords of the akashic records so there are several different um sort of possibilities okay there are the lords of karma and the lords of karma make sure that the karma that we accrue is actually given an outlet for balancing within an incarnation but then there are also the librarians um and the librarians are the keepers of the akashic records so you know and then I, there's a council that i um uh, often will you know meet or see in some of my um, meditations and um, experiences within the Akasha. So it typically seems to be a some sort of governing body or um, you know beings that really just make sure that everything um, stays in balance. Now, Emmanuel was asking a question about what within am I looking for? Example, light symbols, and I think this is. I was uh, clicking. I was trying to click off one comment, and another one comment came up. But my my everybody has different gifts. Like I I, I remember uh, watching a podcast of yours before uh, we scheduled this one. You were talking about like the different gifts being clairsentient, being claircognizant. So like it's a field of energy, and how people perceive those fields are could be very different for you and for me. Yes. And one of the I think one of the the drawbacks when people start getting into this work is they start comparing themselves and they say, yes. well, so-and-so sees this and so-and-so hears that. And like my gift was just knowing, like uh, yes. my, my one friend always joked with me, like from Game of Thrones, like I drank and I knew things before I got sober. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like this, I, I, I didn't see a spirit. I just knew when yep. I tapped in. Uh, so, but, but what are some of the examples of different ways? And, and do you have advice? Like when people have one modality that might be a strong suit is how to branch into the other modalities, maybe a little bit more easily. Yes. So what you're going to see in experience is going to be based on your strongest intuitive ability. So you want to figure out what that is, right? If you, and the easiest way to do that is how do you learn? What's your learning style? If you're a visual learner, your strongest ability is going to be clairvoyance. If you're an audience learner, if you like to be explained, um, then your strongest ability is going to be clairaudience. So you just have to figure out what that is, right? And that's the one that you will practice 
the most. And as you practice and you get better at that, then those other abilities, clairsentience, claircognizance, which is your ability, um, those will come in in a layered effect. And then eventually they're just working together beautifully, symbiotically, and you don't really know it becomes less important to know which are at work and which are at play because you're just receiving these messages. You can see them, you can feel them, you can hear them and you know, you, you trust yourself. So that's really sort of the flow of that. And for anybody looking to get into that work, I think that uh, fellowships of the spirit is a, uh, a, one of the schools in Lilydale, which is one of the oldest, oldest spiritualist mm-hmm. communities in the, in the country. And as part of their program per year, you have to do 70 documented readings and 70 documented healings for two years. And wow. within that within that time span, there comes this tipping point where you're you're practicing, you're playing around, but think people are giving you validation. And there comes to this place where you have this tipping point where you start to know that you know that you know. Yes. And and that only comes with practice. But yep. I, it, people kind of get discouraged sometimes when they start, if they're not right on the money or if they start comparing. Yep. Do you have tips and tricks or things that you use to motivate people that are really starting to step into their gifts and not just to be a reader, but even just to use it for yourself. It's like having yeah. your GPS turned on. Like, would you want to go now without Google maps? You know, yeah, like, no. like you, you want to, even if it's the wrong direction every once in a while, it's a really good tool to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, first off, I want to tell you that Lilydale is a bucket list. And so I'm really envious that you have spent time there. Um, but secondly, well, if you ever go, I'm three hours away. We can, I can show oh. you the ropes. Yeah, so definitely, um, if you, when you're ready to check that off the bucket list, let me know and we can create a little bit of uh, fun out there. Yes, definitely. Um, but for people, when I work with them, you know, I try to make it fun because some of the best experience of intuitive development is when you start to trust yourself or when you blow your own mind or when you receive a message and then you get validation. You know, we're always told not to compare ourselves or not to look outside of ourselves for validation. But when it comes to intuitive development, that's what you need. You have to have that 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 validation because that's what builds confidence. So I try to make it really fun along the way and really you know, like prep people up like, oh, my God, you just nailed that, you know, and really see you know, sort of um, how wonderful they're doing and how far they've come. And so. another thing for people too, like don't, if even if you get it wrong, yeah. like maybe the message that you gave them, they're going to go tell somebody and all of a sudden it's going to make sense because it was for yes. somebody that they knew. I've had that happen a couple of times. Yeah. And thank goodness the first time I was doing gallery readings at a church as part of my pr- uh, practicing. And Spirit told me before I got up there, like, you're going to get up, you're going to go to this person and everything you say is going to be wrong. And I was like, really? <laughs> everything I say was going to be wrong. And then so I went up and I gave <laughs> all this wrong information for this guy and then two that went fine. And afterwards they came up to me and they said that, you know, they always wanted to do this work and they looked at me as a professional even though back then i was like totally out of psychic boot camp if you will and they said well if if you can even make mistakes and and it's all good then maybe i can do this too and so like even being wrong for that that was the message for that person for them to get the confidence to step in so like never never doubt you know like the message that you get isn't spot on for a purpose exactly and you know even you know for as long as you and I have been doing it um, and all other, you know, um, long-term intuitives out there, there comes a point when even I sort of doubt it. The other day I had a reading where um, this woman came through and it was a grandmother and I needed to give my clients some evidential, um, uh, you know, um, details. I'm not an evidential medium, but when 
um, they step into a reading, I like to at least give them some proof. And she kept showing me her hands and I didn't know what she, what that meant. And I didn't mention it because I was like, well, I don't know what that means. So I'm not going to say it because quote unquote, what if I'm wrong? And then through the course of the conversation, I said, well, that's interesting because she kept showing me her hands and the client was like, oh my God, yes, because she had carpal tunnel. And so she was always rubbing her hands. And I had asked the spirit, show me something that's going to help my client know it's you. So even even I doubt myself sometimes. Yeah. And that's where my teacher would always say, you know, you get the symbology or the message. It's not necessarily your job to interpret it. It's, right. uh, you know, that's meaningful for the client. And that hit home because we had to do like have these sheets filled out when we did our practice readings. And yeah. I, I brought in just one thing and say, oh, I see this hummingbird around you. And I gave all this other information that I thought was like so spectacular. And then on the little sheet, what was the most significant thing about the reading hummingbird? And I'm like, I, and I didn't even focus on that. And then right. I'm like, I should have, you know, uh, but that's a good message for people who are getting readings. Like sometimes readers really can contribute more to you. If you give feedback, yes. if, if there's something that is meaningful, instead of being one of those, well, I'm not telling you anything because right. like oh, you kind of get out of it, what you put into it from the reader side and the getting read side. Right. Yeah, especially in the Akasha, because like I said, the Akasha is built on the spoken word. It's built on the energy of words and emotions. And so, you know, I tell my client right away, look, I'm not going to be that psychic that's going to blow you away, but I am going to ask you. So what will happen is I'll get a, I'll see something and I'll say, this is what I'm seeing. Tell me about that. And then they'll go into this big thing about why that's, you know, pertinent. And then that's what raises the vibrational energy of that. And then more and more details will come through. It's like I'm able to like pick details out of the Akasha because the energy gets so dense with their emotions and we're working off each other's energy. So for sure, it's definitely important. Now, a question that's coming to mind too, or kind of a statement and a question. I, I feel that people, everybody's intuitive to some degree. And we have yeah. these times that in these moments of congruency, you just tap in and you know that you know that you know, and it might be intermittent, but people don't trust that. It's like that gut feeling. And then they start to talk themselves out of it. Yep. So people that are starting to tap into their intermittent gifts, what tool to know when it's from source or the Akashic records or from a guide and when to know that it's just your ego messing with you. Right. Okay. So, and um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go off of memory. So um, I recommend everybody do some research because this information is out there, but typically there are three voices that come to you, ego, your higher self and your spirit guides. So whenever it's from ego, I feel it in my gut. I, it's doubt. It makes me fearful. It's doubting. Right. But when it's from my, higher self, it feels inspirational. It feels um, like I can do anything. And when it's from my spirit guides, it comes into my right ear because that is where I receive all of my information. Sometimes there'll something will come into my left ear. It's typically like a download. So, but still um, that might be reversed for some people. So the location of where you're receiving these messages, it might be a clue as to if you're hearing from ego or you're hearing from your spirit guides. Yeah, and I have the acronym for ego, which is edging God out. And yeah. ego, and ego only knows past data. So normally, that's the voice too that says, "Well, but what about this? And what about this?" Almost the thing yep. that tries to talk what you about? out of your knowing. Right. Yep. And then to your point, everybody is a little bit different uh, in yep. terms of where they receive information. So if you can start mapping it, and just yes. to give everybody a little a little uh, thing that they that I learned at fellowships is the body's like an antenna, and yes. if you watch and if you watch mediums, especially at Inspiration Stump or on TV, you'll notice that when they're getting a visual, they're looking up. When they're feeling, they're looking down. They're doing this when they're getting an audio. 
getting a past life, watch how many lean forward. Yeah. And so like, if you can't start to copy the physiology of the people that you're watching that are doing this type of work, you can reproduce the same effects um, much more quickly. And now uh, Emmanuel was at, uh, coming up with a, something with empaths. I'm what they say is a high empath or I like to call those empaths on steroids, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> it, it becomes difficult sometimes, hard to judge intuition, but I also have a strong sense of knowing, just difficult to sort out with so many things. And empaths, that is, that is like one of those gifts, like where you're picking up in the field, like other people, places, yes. things, entities, like it, it's not, it's not just related to people or even the yeah. energy of a land. Yeah. So how does an empath start to, you know, cause that, that's kind of like all these gifts coming together sometimes at once yeah. with an empath. Definitely. And um, especially if you're an HSP, like a highly sensitive. <clears throat> so it starts with, again, claiming your sovereignty, claiming your energetic field, learning how to manage your um, your energetic field. Um, I mean, the very purpose of an empath is to be um, a channel, a channel for source energy, to be able to transmute, alchemize, that sort of thing. So learning how to, you know, um, claim your energy field, but also having some discernment techniques in there, right? Taking stock of how am I feeling right now in this moment? I'm feeling a little bit happy, uh, maybe a little bit nervous, maybe a little bit anticipatory, whatever, right? You, you figure out what your feelings are. Then when you go into a store or a meeting or something, if there's a shift in that, you know, that's not mine because I was not feeling that, right? So it's not 100% every time because emotions change, but it's a really good way of learning discernment so that you can then learn to manage those emotions. And what's not yours, get it out of there. Tell it. No, be gone. Yeah. And access consciousness, which is one of the key <laughs> modalities I practice, we have a tool called Who Does It Belong To? Yes. And there's there's even an app you can download on Apple or Android called Who Does This Belong To? It's free. And you set it up and it will just give you this random little ding. And that is the empath reminder to in that moment say, who does this belong to? And if you can do that over like three or four days, you'll be surprised when you ask that question, how much you find out, is it yours? And it's really starting to just step out and notice it because if you're on autopilot, everything is just coming in. Yes. And, but when you can, you know, start to notice, hey, is this mine? <laughs> no, it's not. Return to sender with awareness. And it's not even to give it a zing or anything. It's just no. return to sender. And of course, there's an app for it. Good Lord. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> I, I'm going to check that app out, though. I'm going to have yeah. it on my phone. Is this yeah, mine? Yeah. And access consciousness is like a huge thing. And I want to uh, let you know about this too. Like when people have like the resistances and the contracts and the agreements and all that and access, we would do a clearing statement for it. So yeah. like, um, where have you, where have you, are, are you willing with, oh, what's the clearing I want to do? Give it to me spirit. What energy can my body being and beyond be to effortlessly break all the commitments Rouse promises that no longer serve my highest and best on my soul path, yeah. something like that. And you let that energy come up and then you ask the, the next question and every word where I'm not allowing that. And then that brings up all the resistance and that you pot, they say pot and pock, destroy and uncreate yeah. it basically. And it's like a great tool to identify the energy you want to step into, identify the stuff that's not letting you get rid of it and then just move right through it. Yeah. I have a wonderful friend, uh, Lena, who used to do bars on the, before I moved across country and I miss it. It was such an amazing session. Cool. And we have Angela just contributing that. Wow. That's really cool. I'm going to get uh, the app right <laughs> after the show. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> like there, that is like one of the, the, the go-to apps and I know magic Mikey always has it and we're doing a class or anything. You just hear ping, and it's just <laughs> going all the time. And it, it is really a great tool 
because the little robot man that's the hardest thing is to get the robot to stop driving and showing up for the your whole life and the yes. main thing is just to notice as soon as the robot starts driving say no no i'll drive and you'll be surprised how much time slows down you have way more time because you're responding through life instead of reacting it's in that reactionary mode that we go wow three years just went by what happened absolutely absolutely i'm excited too i'm gonna get that app <laughs> cool. now i'm curious like uh because you have a, a really rich background in history from all the things that you that brought you to being able to offer the readings and the akashic records as a tool for people what do you feel is most relevant for people to really know or or maybe even something to inspire people. What have you found inspires people to even start seeking? Because that's sometimes the thing that like people don't even know that they don't know something. And then once right. something like starts to cut through and allows that impulse of the soul to start coming out, like what what's that that can start to wake people up? What's the inspiration that might, you know, make them start seeking? It, it, honestly, what I find all of the clients that I work with, there's a catalytic event in their life, some sort of catalytic event that has caused them to question who they are, um, who am I, um, you know, empty nest syndrome, that sort of thing. Um, now, who am I now that I've you know raised kids for 20 years and or after a divorce or a death in the family or the loss of a job or some sort of life altering event? That's when people start to question and they want to know. They say, everybody says this too. They say, I know that I'm supposed to be doing something. I just don't know what. So their gut, their higher self is telling them, you're supposed to be turning down this path. And so you need to, you know, get help in doing so. Yeah. And that's where finding any, when, when, when picking a reader, the biggest thing is like, who resonates with you? Who has the medicine yeah. for you? Like you've given so much great information and I love the blend of numerology and Akashic yeah. records. Are there any other, I think there was one other one that you had mentioned in your bio, like that you incorporate. Astrology, uh, oh, astrology. Oh, astrology and life between life. You mentioned that at yeah. the beginning, oh, life yeah. between life. And the, the reason I want to dive into this too, in the Paco Kuna tradition of Peru, there's like one particular journeying technique where like, say, your soul contract, why you're coming here, the ability to go and uh, go to that place that's in between lifetimes and renegotiate it. And so mm -hmm. I, I kind of alluded to that question too, but have you ever had someone where, you know, this is I, like, maybe they're so far on their path and they're so uh, swinging with it that, well, what if I could create more? And like, so is there ability to go to that in between lifetimes and say, hey, we need to up the ante and let's like go ahead and like create more in this lifetime or anything like that? Oh my God, that's a fantastic question. I'm going to be very honest. I don't know. I mean, I'm so focused on helping people get to a comfortable place in their life now, right? Well, just, that, uh, just wait. That now that ah, all the clients are going to start coming to you, like, man, I'm just rocking it. How do we up the game? But there, there, there's this whole thing, this journey work that you do to like get your contract and renegotiate it. Either like if you think it's too hard and you want to downgrade or like upgrade or just have something different show up, that yeah. then would be an, an alignment. You know, I like to think of it. Have you ever seen the musical Into the Woods? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I like to think of everything like that. Like all of life is like all the fairy tales happening at the same time in the same forest, interacting with each other. But the cool thing is you're the actor, you're the director, yeah. you're the stage crew, you're all the people in the play. So at any point in the right space, you could do a rewrite. You could go off the cuff. And as long as you can bring the entire being together with it and be congruent with it, then you can have ease. But if it's like the ego wants to do it, but the soul's like, no, 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 we're supposed to be over here. That's where you have like things not line up in your life. 
Absolutely. And, and it makes sense too, right? If we have free will within our, you know, human existence, of course, there would be the ability to go in, you know, maybe during astral travel, you know, life between life, maybe regression or some way to go in and make tweaks to that soul um, contract or that soul blueprint and those contracts within the soul blueprint. Yeah, and just a, a reminder for everybody, we have about 10 minutes left or so in the broadcast, give or take, because we always like to follow the energy. If we're like, if there's like burning questions, like we don't want to like cut people off and like end as long as you have time for it. But now would be the time. If you have a question that's been prompted in the conversation, uh, now's the time to ask that. And if you're listening to this on the replay on the podcast, know that if you can subscribe you subscribe to the Sonic Shaman YouTube channel. You can catch these broadcasts live and you can be part of the conversation. And if you want to connect with Joe uh, after the broadcast, the website again is www.thewokeakashic.com. And that's yes. the W-O-K-E Akashic is A-K-A-S-H-I-C.com. And oh my gosh, I, I already love like the, the turns that our conversation has gone down. It's yeah. been uh, like things that I never thought would come up, which is really great. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you do with astrology incorporating it? And we, we've touched on that briefly. Are there certain things about astrology that you really focus on? Like I, I like working with uh, progressions with people's solar returns because uh, it, like it's such a huge thing in and of itself. What are things that you really like to incorporate that you find as a theme or, or most beneficial for people? Well, listen, Hank, I am not that knowledgeable in astrology. I actually just started learning. But oh. what I incorporate is the sun sign, the rising sign. I'm sorry. The, mm -hmm. Yeah, the sun sign, the rising sign and the moon sign, because mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, the comparison between a numerology core chart and your uh, basic you know astrology chart it, again it's something that blows your mind it, it, um, so it's very interesting to incorporate um, those um, sun moon and rising signs it just the qualities characteristics that sort of thing in, with yeah. people. Okay, yeah, because astrology could be like its whole thing. My two the favorite things to work with is the lunar cycle because every 28 days people have an element of the moon agitating some sort of past thing for them to work on. And then my second favorite, just to offer it to you, is something called secondary progressions. Whenever somebody has their solar return, the day after their birthday, they're in the energy of when they were one. The next day after their birthday, they were in the energy of when they were two. And so like if you're 40 years old for the 40 days after your birthday, you, if you're really receptive and you really go after it, you're in the energy of that year of your life and things that need to be resolved more easily come up. So uh, that's that's one of my favorite things to work with personally. So What's I'll get that, that. It's called secondary progressions. Secondary progressions. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, as you, I learned... Yeah, it's all oh, so good. It's in the like an esoteric astrology by Alice Bailey work, which is like a 1400 page book. And you'll hate me if you try to read it. But just take just take the things that I mentioned and like just run with that because that's the easy. That's the Cliff Notes version. Okay. Wow. Great. I love it. I love learning new things. I love it. Cool. Uh, any questions that you were hoping that I asked? Because you didn't put anything on the sheet, like things that you really, well, you did put one thing. I think we already covered it. Ask about soul blueprints. So why not oh, yeah. do a recap uh, talking again about soul blueprints? And let's throw in too, what about the concept of soulmates? Like, is there only one or is it just somebody that's blueprint is kind of aligned on the same path? Uh, twin flames, is that this, a, a similar thing, a different thing? I don't know if you've really studied any of that, but let's talk a little bit more about the relationships that come into our lives relative to the blueprints. So we're born into a soul family um, and the soul family isn't like our immediate family. Our soul family are, um, you know, it's it's um, maybe 100 people or 100 souls from our soul group. Okay, so souls are grouped into groups, then families, and then from there, 
within each family, these souls tend to reincarnate over and over and over together. Um, those soul families are our soul mates. So a soul mate can be mother, father, brother, sister. It's not just a romantic relationship. Um, and basically a soul mate is somebody that we enter into a soul contract with. And it's within that contract that gives us this goal to obtain either in that life or throughout the course of many lives. And they just help us go, uh, you know, obtain, uh, attain that goal. Twin flame, oh, twin flames though. I would not wish on my worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> no, twin flames are a lot of work and um, they're not, uh, they're, they're very romanticized, but they're actually um, very, very difficult relationships. Okay. And I have a question here. Uh, she's say, asking, I have a child that in her first few years of life kept referring to another life in China and asking to see that family. Years later now, she doesn't remember. Do you know yeah. why? Yes. And um, so we retain many of our uh, pre incarnate memories um, through the age of seven years old. It's about seven years old when that third dimensional existence sort of really takes hold. Um, unless that child is nurtured from the very beginning. So if you have uh, a child who's gifted and you nurture that child, teach them meditation and connection with that intuitive, you know, gift and just really, really, um, you know, dip them into the woo <laughs> every day, um, <laughs> then yeah, they're going to remember those. Um, and a lot of times too, if you have children that will remember those lives, just ask them questions, say, you know, and get as much detail as you can. Um, because yeah, if, if that's not nurtured, they will lose those, they'll lose that knowledge base. Right. And just for everybody's knowledge too, it doesn't necessarily mean like my, both my kids are very intuitive. My one son, I had a a code set by Nintendo that was randomly emailed that was like 12 digits, uppercase, lowercase, and symbols that I had so they couldn't play the Wii. And he just sat down and he was in playing it. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Let's go, let's go buy a lottery ticket, you know? But then, so I, I was teaching him shamanism and all these things. And my oldest says, you know, daddy, you can teach us all about this when we're older. Right now, let us be kids. Like he, had, he had that much awareness to say like, yeah, we're going to be into all that. And they know that all this is thing is, you know, they know about the woo, but they know right now too, they can just be kids and, you know, worry about the woo later. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't believe, or I believe that through the course of Ascension, you know, maybe in 50 years, you know, meditation and, you know, energy management will all be taught in kindergarten and, you know, first grade and second grade. Let's hope anyway. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now I, I was starting to look at your website a little bit. I thought, uh, thought I had it up here too. I thought there was something, oh, there was like another broadcast. I thought there was something specific that you had that people could reach out to you for, but now I'm forgetting about, oh, your jewelry. I yeah. wanted to touch base on that because you incorporate astrology, uh, like you do a lot of things with custom-made jewelry for people. So I assume that these are kind of like empowerment pieces. And so could you talk a little bit about that, of how something like jewelry or, or something customized for you and it's not out just mass produced, how that might help you like step into your path and, and keep you maybe, you know, staying the course easier? Yes. So I am a silversmith and um, I um, wanted a way to nurture that that love um, without, you know, feeling obligated. And so I design a piece, for instance, like this is a ring that I designed for myself, but it's Labradorite. Right. And so the Labradorite, I in order to get to that stone, I pulled um, my own numerology chart. And then I also incorporated astrology and then all of the, the a few of the other signs to get um, the stone 
um, that would most integrate with all of my qualities and help my intuitive abilities, you know, sort of escalate at a higher level. So I do pendants and rings. Typically, that's really what people want. They want either a pendant or they want a ring. So um, yeah, you can order a custom intuitively designed um, jewelry piece that will help work with your own individual energy. Yeah, and I hardly ever wear this, but I have this little talisman on today. And the guy who made it, he would, they, for the purpose of the talisman, he would fire the clay on a certain day. So astrologically, and oh, it's yeah. even on the back, like the time that it was actually fired, I could run a birth chart on my jewelry to, to see how it would be interacting with my chart. And so like, that's a whole nother level of woo with astrology, because you could do like compatibility charts and things like that. Yes. But, but that, that would be a whole nother thing. So you could look at the, someone's birth chart and create the necklace at a time where the birth of the necklace would integrate with their chart. There's so, there's so many cool potential possibilities for creating like tangible pieces of art for your clients when you're an intuitive that will help work within their etheric field. There's so many cool things out there. I think my son, if they try to come through the back door, and then they saw me streaming. So now they leave. And now they're ringing the doorbell trying to get my wife to open up the front door because they think they're going to distract me when they come through. They should have just come in because people probably can hear the doorbell going off a lot. A lot. <laughs> Anyhow. So, uh, so, so we just have a few minutes left. Uh, we have the website up again, thewokeakashic.com for people who want to reach out and connect either for a reading uh just uh, some intuitive jewelry or just want to reach out or see some of your other content. Like that's how I found yes. uh, Joe is she was a podcast guest on another podcast and I listened to it. And I'm like, Oh, she's going to be fun to have on because yeah. Akashic yeah. records are, are so great mm -hmm. in and of themselves. But then you had such a broad knowledge base on, you know, underneath that all. So we were able to go places that maybe we you kind of gone otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So, any final thoughts or anything that you were um, that you still want to leave everybody with? And really, guys, last call for questions. You got like two minutes if you want to sneak one in. Oh, wow. You know, just really, if you um, are called to develop your own intuition, find a teacher, a book, um, a class, a work group, find something because, you know, while I love, um, you know, my clients and I love helping guide them, um, it, really the future is people tapping into their own intuitive abilities so that they can, you know, find their own way using their gut and their knowing. So. And that, that gives me a good reason to bring up my acronym for COVID. So I'll throw that up there. It's create opportunities via intuiting divinity. So whatever tool you want to use, folks, pick something and start co-creating with the universe and yes. having life happening through you instead of to you. And everything can and will change with ease. Guaranteed. Yes. I tell people, you know, it's not that you want to be in the flow. You want to learn how to direct the flow. Oh, that brings me to my shamanic teacher. Like we look at it as you are the conductor of the symphony of the universe and you're yes. just, you know, re sending energy out because there is only source and source is dense or heavy, heavier light rather, but it's all still source. And our heaviness is light for something else in the cosmos as just like angel poop would be like for us. So, so it's all a matter of perspective. Like where are you, but it's, it, but it's all source. And if you can just, you know, redirect the energies where they're going to be a service, then you're not harming anything. You're just providing light to some other aspect of divinity somewhere out in the cosmos. And it's like a, a such a great thing. Is there any, yeah, you mentioned books, like find a book or anything. What's your favorite book? Like what, what, what book has really made an impact uh, for you? 
opening to channel um, by Dwayne Packer and um, uh, there's another author and I forget her name. I'm so bummed because it's a female, but um, opening to channel is a great book that teaches you how to connect to your intuitive abilities and channeling. Cool. And then one of the books I've been reading recently for those of uh, that's an access consciousness book by Dr. Dane here. It's called being you changing the world. So now if you don't know where to start, you have two books. Mm -hmm. that we that we mentioned that might be uh, relevant for you. But I want to thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast. Thank and you. I think I think with your background, we probably can plan another stream if you're open to it. Yes, Let us know. Thomas, do you want to see more? Joe, I think that there's a lot of she can contribute if she wants to come back on. So yes. cool. But, but thank you, everyone. We will catch you next time. And uh, again, please subscribe. Help spread the contagion of consciousness by sharing this video with your loved ones and people who need it the most. And you can be part of this amazing change that we're creating in the world. See you guys. As soon as I hit the right video. Now we got it. Thanks so much. Everyone. Thanks for joining us today for the show. The Sonic Shaman is part of the Emergence of Being Contributor Network. Visit emergenceofbeing.com to learn about all the contributors and learn about our services and upcoming events. Please take a moment to subscribe to the channel. You can contribute to the show by supporting our efforts and sharing our content with those you care about and those who need it most.